Hashem Sel per learning Soita Daf Mem Zayin. We left off on Daf Mem Vav Amid Beis, 22 lines from the bottom. We started to learn this amazing sugya about the mitzvah of Levoya, of escorting someone, helping them or pointing them in their direction. And the power that it gives the person who's getting escorted, that because of us doing the escort, he, she, they successfully reach their destination. And as we started out with the story of this Knanai man who simply showed the way towards members of the tribes of Ephraim and Menashe, and that helped them successfully find the entrance of that city. And then we spoke about the bracha that they received, how either this Knani man, because of it, merited to build Luz, or as many Rishonim speak out, that actually Luz is a location that Hashem created from the beginning of the six days of creation, but they discovered and they inhabited the city of Luz, them and their children, and they literally live forever. Continues the Gemara. Amar Rabbi Yeshua says, Rabbi Yeshua ben Levi, if a person is traveling and they didn't have someone escorting them at least when they started out, and therefore they lack that protection or segula. From the Levaya, Yasek Batayram, so the person who's traveling should occupy himself, herself in Taira. Shereman, as it says, and here we're quoting a Pasuk that we also are familiar with because it's in the sixth chapter of Pirkei Yavis. When the Mishnah says, and one of the verses are, that Haim that refers to Taira. That Taira is a escort of grace to your head. And it also is a chain around your neck. In other words, it's like your jewelry. You should know that because of the four steps, which amounts to four Amas, that Paroi escorted our Zayda Avraham, as it says in the Pasik, that Paroi commanded people to escort Avraham. And therefore, it's logical to say that the way Paroi successfully commanded people to escort him is by him leading as an example. So he also, he didn't escort Avraham Avino a lot, but he escorted Avraham with the minimal amount of escorting, which is, as we'll see in a moment, four Amas. So he escorted Avraham, and therefore Nishtabid the Banov that empowered him to make subservient his children, the Jewish people, for 400 years. Four Amas, four steps, 400 years. Shneman as it says, that Hashem told Avram Avinu by the Brisbane Absarim that they will be enslaved to a foreign nation and they will have to serve them. Someone will be afflicted for 400 years. But Hashem did not tell Avram Avinu at that time which nation will be our masters physically. And it turned out to be the Egyptians. Why? Because Parai was Malava Avram Avinu. If a person will escort his colleague even only Arba Amois, but even only four cubits in the city, and the person who's traveling is going to the other end of the world. So you would think, my walking out the guest for Amos will protect him? Yes, that person will have the protection and he won't be harmed. The Marsha speaks about the Pasik, you know, Yudsoin Yerei of Yasa, that when Hashem sees how one person cares for the other, 
and the host is escorting, obviously, with intent, I want to be with you, I want to protect you, that is part of how the Levoya works. And therefore, says the Gemara, when something of danger could have happened, it didn't. The Itzil Rava was saved because of the Levoya that Ravina afforded him. That if the teacher is escorting his student, the mitzvah goes true, the minimum is four ames, but what's the upper limit? And according to certain of the later Achreinim, the question is, you want to escort a person halfway to his destination, perhaps there comes a point when you're no longer escorting him. There has to be a certain point where we will say you're traveling with him. Just imagine, if you came to my house and I'm, take, I'm walking you to your home, there is a point that I'm not escorting you. I'm going to your home with you. I'm traveling with you. So what is the limit of walking with that it's still called escorting? Ad ibura shalir. A good chazara from Shabbos, from Eruvin. Ibura shalir means when it comes to the laws of Eruvin that any home or even relatively insignificant home that is within 70 amas and two-thirds of an amma within the outskirts of the city is considered still part of the city. So in other words, he should escort him into 70 amas, and as she says, and shirayim to outside the city. Chaver l'chaver, either translate the words friend to a friend, or others translate a Talmud Chachem to another Talmud Chachem, they should escort them more, or they could escort them more, how much more, until the Tchum Shabbos. Imagine, 2,000 Amas, one mil. This is outside the city. Talmud Larav, but a student to a teacher, Eloi Shir, there's no limit. Vikama, it's almost like humorous. Like even Eloi Shir has to have a limit. Because doesn't have a limit, should have meant there is no limit, but there is still an upper limit of Rabsheshis until one parsa, which is four mil. The that it's only a parsa, when a student is escorting his rabbi, his teacher from which he did not learn the majority of his taita. But to the teacher from whom he learned the majority of his or her taita, you have to accompany them or you could accompany them for three parsa. That's the entire area that the Jewish people occupied, took up when we were in the desert. Twelve mil. Says the Gemara of Kahana, he walked him from the city of Pum Nahara until a place called Tsinyasa the Bubble. The word Tsinyasa actually means a palm tree. Tsinyasa the Bubble will mean, you know, Palm City, the original Palm City. And Kimasa Hasam Amalei. When he was walking with him, so Rav Kahana tells Rav Shimi, Vadai di Omritu, is it true that you said that Honeitz in Yasa the bubble, that these palm trees that are here is Mishnei Adam Harishan Isnuhu, they are here since the days of Adam Harishan? Amalei, so responds Rav Shimi, Atkin, Adachteron, you reminded me 
this whole subject. I forgot about that statement. But let me explain to you what I meant when I said that these palm trees are here since the days of Adam. To Amr Rabbi Yisib Arbchanina. My dear, what's the meaning of the pasuk in Yirmiyah? That in the land that no man went through, Adam Shama, no man lived in. So the question is, there is an obvious redundancy in the pasuk. If people did not even walk through a land, so certainly they did not settle that land. So why did the pasuk have to use this this double expression? We will skip the parentheses. Ella edits Shigazar Aleha Adam Harishin Liyishuv any land that Adam Harishin said that people will live there then indeed over the years of history at some point Nisyashva that place became inhabited. But edit Shalegazar Allah Adam Harishin, but any land that Adam Harishin did not say from the beginning that it will be inhabited, Loy Nisyashva, it will never be inhabited. And therefore it's not shot that the palm trees were physically there since the days of Adam Arishan. All what he meant to say is, is that that was a place designated by Adam not for people to live in. He did not say people are going to live in there, which is why it was left in the wild. And that location in the wild means palm trees since those years, but not that the physical trees were actually there from the beginning of time. Rav Mardachai Alviyel Ravashi we're giving different uh, geographical locations just to underline the amount of distance one should escort someone else. So when Avmartchai accompanied Ravashi, from, you don't forget Ravashi is the great Ravashi. L'choyre Ravashi was the Rabbi Muvik. Rabbi Muvik, it's four parsa. So he walked him from a place called Hagrenia until Beikipi. Another opinion holds until Beidura. And this is obviously a very important argument not that we know exactly the distance between those two cities. Maybe we don't even know exactly where they are. At least I don't know where they are. But obviously this is the question. The question is, how much is the shear of Levoya? If a person does not escort, or if a person, let's taich, refuses to be escorted. You know, sometimes you're not escorted because no one offered. And we just learned, learn Taira. But whenever a person could have gotten an escort, but they didn't accept it, it's <laughs> they spill innocent blood. Wow. And where do we see this from? And now we're going to speak about an amazing story. And let's speak out the story by heart that there was a time that in Yerichai, the waters became... Just to be clear, the escort that's being protected is the person that's being escorted, not the actual escort. Correct. The person who's traveling, the traveler receives a tremendous protection by the fact that someone escorted him or her. Now, in Yerichai, there was a time that the waters were bitter. And people were dying. They traced it back to a, as a poisonous, to a bad, let's call it bad waters. Elisha came to the city. When Elisha came to the city, he was a tzaddik. He cured the waters, which was great for the city people. But there were no arim, ketanim, there were young or very young children, that they were making their parnasa by selling healthy water. Now that Yerichai healed the waters of Yerichai, they lost their livelihood. So when Yerichai was leaving the city, they vented their frustration or their anger towards Elisha by speaking very disrespectfully to him. His reaction was some sort of, we'll call this a kpeda. In other words, my tzaddikim, you know, they look at someone and they get upset, or he cursed them, literally. And ultimately, many of these children died. Now, all of that would have been protected had Elisha received an escort. People would not have attacked Elisha. 
he would have been there with someone else. He wouldn't have reacted, and no one would have died. Now here, obviously, the criticism is not leveled against Elisha for not receiving an escort. No one offered him an escort. But it was on the city people that many of their children passed away. All of that could have been avoided had Elisha been escorted. Let's read the Gemara Elisha. If the uh, city people of Yerichi would have escorted Elisha, there would not have been this incident where beers were incited against the young children. As it says, that when Elisha left Yerichi after he cured the waters, going to Beisail, and he was not escorted for who? He was traveling. Na'arim means young men. Ketanim actually means technically pre-bar mitzvah boys. They left the city. And they scorned Elisha. They told him, Go away, you baldy. Go away, you baldy. Why did they call him bold, a bold person? First of all, could be they were talking, making fun of him that he was bald. But they were also alluding to the fact that you made us bald. In other words, we had a livelihood. We were selling water. You cured the waters. Ah, now we're bald. We, we don't know what to do to make a living. Omruloi, they were telling him, You made bald for us this place. Period. Asks the Gemara, why are they called Na'adim Ketanim? It's almost a contradiction. Again, a nod is a young man. And a cotton means a young boy. Which of them were they? It's both. They were emptied from mitzvahs. And ketanim eludes to the fact that they were cotton They were lacking in faith. Because when you have a munah, even if one source of parnasa goes away, it has nothing to do with parnasa. But they didn't understand that. They were lacking in a munah. Now this is the opinion of Rabbi Elazar. That na'adim ketanim are both description of who they were. Tani we learned in a b'raisa different. That Na'arim actually means who they were. They were over bar mitzvah. They were young men. However, they demeaned themselves by being so disrespectful to the prophet Elisha like children who don't yet understand what they're doing. What's the question? Why don't we say that they were Ketanim? They were children. Na'arim is the name of a place. So they were katanim from a place called Na'arim, al shame And don't we find that same solution? Me like Siv, that Va'aram, Yotzugududim, that raiders were living the country of Aram. Va'yishbum Eretz Yisrael, and they managed to take captive Na'aroktana, a pasuk in Malachim. And we know the question was Na'aroktana, which one was she? Was she a, a young woman or was she a, a girl? And on this, Rapidus answered that she was a girl. She was a ketana. The word na'adam means the min na'udim from a place of na'udim. So why don't we give the same solution here to this Pasuk in Elisha? Answers the Gemara over there in Malachim Beis, Aram. So there we don't know where they came from. So we can say she was a ketana from the city of na'udim. But over here we know they came from Yerichai. So they're not going to be called na'adim. Because they are, then they are from Yerichai. So it's either like Rabbi Lazar explained, or it's like we learned in the Braisa. Now it continues in the Pasuk and the story. That Vayif and Achrov, that Elisha turned around. Vayirem, and he saw them. And Vayikalolem b'shem Hashem, and he cursed them with the name of God. And the Pasuk asks the Gemara, if he turned around, of course he saw them. Vashat, he saw them. Omar Rav, Ra'om Mamish. 
Ra'a Mamish the Marsha says that Ra means that he didn't verbally curse them. That when a tzaddik looks at anything with a, with a gevura dika eye, that in itself does an effect. It has an effect. Right? The maximum story with Darashbi. And other times in Shas that we have these stories that a great Tano or an Amaira, they looked at someone and he became Vimizakta, a pile of bones. Like we learned, wherever the sages put their eyes in a negative way, in a judgmental way, that has a result. And the result is uh, powerful. It's either death or something that's equal to death, which is poverty. Shmuel Amr Shmuel says, the meaning of he looked, he saw, he saw where they came from. That all of them were conceived because their mothers had a relation. Anyam Kippur. And the Ben Yehoyada says, beautiful, that the words Vayireim, he saw them, is a composite of the letters Ra'a Imam. He, saw, he looked into their past, where they conceived in a kosher way. Rabbi Yitzchak, Rabbi Yitzchak, the smith says, that Belaitis Ra'alahem, that he saw that they had haircuts with a belaitis. A belaitis is some sort of way that people who served idols used to cut their hairs and leave some sort of mohawk. Nothing changed. They were, they, were, they were dressed in a very non-Jewish haircut, like the Amoidim. And here also, like the Rebbe Yoyada says, that the words Vayirim and the Amoidim, the, the they have the same letters. That's what he saw in them. He saw that their origin is not good. And therefore, they started to dress like the Goyim. And therefore, they had no Gishmak in mitzvahs. All of that is connected. It's not to, in other words, he saw their past if they were conceived, so then they had these non-Jewish tendencies and ultimately they lost their enjoyment to do mitzvahs. Frek the Gemara is still, how can he, how can, how, why would he curse them or why should they die? Maybe they are not good. But maybe their children will be greater. That's exactly what he looked. He looked at their future as well. And he saw Leibam, there's no lachluchias, there's no pleasure, there's no geshmak in Yiddishkeit, not in them, nor will it be in their children until the end of time. And now what happened? Two. Had they not, had they not died, that would have been the descendants. Two beers. It's an amazing story. We'll see in a moment those beers were created then by God. Two beers left the forest. And the beers tore into them. 42 children of these kids that were mocking him got torn to pieces. Turning to Daf Mem Zayin. It was a miracle. In other words, there were no beers before. His kapeda, his curse, whatever that was, caused for right then and there for beers to come to be. There was a double miracle. Explains the Gemara. There was one miracle. There was a forest before. But there was no bears. The opinion that says there was a miracle within a miracle. You ever heard that expression? It's a good Yiddish expression. There were no bears and there was no forest. And all of that all of a sudden just appeared. Why don't you have a third option? Why didn't you say that the beers were there, but there was no forest? 
Says the Gemara, if that would have been the case, if bears don't have where to run back to, to hide, then they would be afraid to attack. You know, certain people only attack because they have a plan of exit. If you don't have an exit plan, then you don't enter. The Vise, the bears would have been afraid. Says because of the 40, 42 sacrifices, that during the time that Balak hired Bilam to attempt, for Bilam to attempt to curse the Jewish people, when you read in Parshas Balak, you'll count all together from the seven Mizbechais and part of Ayel Bamizbeach, you'll count, you'll see that he brought 42 Karbanais, and because of him offering 42 Karbanais, Hufku Umi Yisrael, Ultimately, that resulted that 42 Jewish children were torn apart. This was before the Beis Amigdash. The 42 children in this story, part of how that happened was by the fact that the Goyim did a great mitzvah. He brought 42 karbanis and he wanted to hurt us. So part of that kavana came to fruition. Now, we have the statement that we learned so many times together in the name of Rav that a person should occupy himself, should diligently learn Torah, keep mitzvahs, even if he's not doing it for the right reason, because eventually he'll do it lishma. Or as we learn in Hasidus, that even while we are doing it Shaloi Lishma, the Taich of the Shaloi Lishma, the Pnimius of the Shaloi Lishma, deep, deep down, I, the real I, is my godly soul. And my Nefesh kiss always wants to do the mitzvahs Lishma. And why? And he used as a source for this statement, because because of the 42 Karbanis, because of that, Rus. You see that he merited to have a descendant of Rus that came from Balak. I'm sorry, that who came from Rus? Shleima. Regarding Shleima, it says, that Shleima HaMelech brought every day a thousand karbanis. So where does it come from? Balak brought karbanis. Eventually, his descendant brought karbanis lishma. And like how is he connected to Balak? Because Rus was the daughter of Eglon. Lavdafka, the daughter, many times it means the descendant of Eglon. Eglon was the son of Balak. And we know from Rus comes David, and from David comes Shleim. So in other words, here we are saying something good happens from the 42 Karbanis. And you're telling me that from the 42 Karbanis something bad happened? So the Gemara says, that being that his intent was, when he brought the Karbanis, Balak, that something negative should happen to the Jewish people, he was hoping it should happen through the curse of Bilam. It didn't happen that way. But being that his Kavana, his, his Taiva, was to hurt us, some of that Taiva came to fruition. In other words, the way we'll understand, it's not a contradiction. Adarabah. You know, the power of Torah Mitzvahs is such that even when we do a Shaloi Lashma, it has a power. And even when we do it in a negative way, it has a power. But because of the power of Torah Mitzvahs, even Shalai Lishma, because of it, it actually can cause something bad and good. Good came and bad came. 
you know, we have these words in Hasidus that sometimes when we, we learn Torah, it adds chayas in the Sitra Akhra. It adds chayas in Klippas, which means since there is always holiness in it, at least before the person does tshuva, it can also have a negative effect. And that was a story. I, something good came from it also. He merited to have shleimah. Exactly. He on the senes. Since you see the power of shaloy lishma, that it caused holiness to come into the world, ultimately it brought shleimah. So since it has so much power, and the person did it, it's not just shaloy lishma. He did it with a terrible kavana to harm us. Some of that, unfortunately, many generations later, happened. Now, now the Gemara goes back, steps back. What exactly happened there? That the, pity, the people of Yerichai called Elisha and they told him, Behold, the, 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 the city of Yerichai is a great settlement. Like you see. However, the waters are bitter. The water causes death. Can you imagine people living in a place, the waters are farsamt, people are dying, and you say, wow, this is a great place. How is the, how is the place so great? Mushkelas means meshakel, that the water causes death. So how are they calling the place good? So here there's a very important rule. And interestingly, there's a play of words here. And he said, that a place appears good to its inhabitants. It's a very important rule, whether we acknowledge it or not. Sometimes we're kvetching. Ah, I don't like this place. There is a certain connection that we have with the place that we live in. And really, this goes to all of the great three in which, to a certain degree, we don't even really have freedom of choice. And what is that? It's whom we marry, where we live, and what livelihood we have, what we work with. So says the Gemara, there are three areas in life that God decreed that there should be some type of bond, which is of grace, a graceful bond between the following two. There is a grace, like we just mentioned, that it, a place appears graceful to the people who live there. There is a grace that a wife has in the eyes of her husband. Halavai should go the other way around as well. Chein mekach al that when you bought something, whatever you purchased, whatever you own, is you find it graceful. And you know, thank God for that. The world would have been chaotic if not for that. If no one likes where they're living, who they're married to, what they're doing, in, how they're making a panasa. There'll be a lot of uh, un, un uh, consistency in the world. Tanda we learned in Abrais. Going back to the story, that Shloisha, Chaloyim, Chalo, Elisha, that Elisha during his lifetime got sick three times. And as we'll see in a moment, getting sick, like Rashi says, before one passes away is not something negative. It actually gives the person and the people around them, him, her, time to prepare. But the other two times were for punishment for two things that Lefi Erech, according to the level of Elisha, what he did was inappropriate. And one of them was, the, was this, that he became, that he gave that kepeda, that he gave that curse. According to his level, he shouldn't have done it. Echad, he was punished once, because he incited beers against children. The Echad, and the other story is, that when he pushed away Gehazi, because Gehazi did something not good, and therefore he wanted to reprimand him, but he didn't reprimand him in a way which is called push away with the left and draw near with the right. He didn't do a small, he pushed him away with both of his hands, 
And he was punished for that as well. And the echad, and the third time, was not a negative thing. It was not a punishment. It was actually a good thing. It was the illness that Hashem gave him before he passed away. How do we know he got sick three times? Shenemar. The Elisha Chala. Chala, number one. Es Chal Yoi is number two. Asher Yamuz Boy is number three. The sages taught us, In all matters, people should use this concept of life as a balance of chesed and gevura. One in exclusion of the other is never good. Just being kind, just being judgmental is, doesn't function. The world cannot exist. You have to have both, but how do you harmonize the both? It has to be that the left is the one that pushes away. The left represents weak. You have to push away, but with a weaker hand. And and then you have to draw near with your stronger hand. And it takes a a person a lifetime to to learn this. And as our sages said, not like Elisha that he pushed away Gehazi with both of his hands. And now we have a line in the Gemara here. And then in 11 lines from now, there's going to be another 8 or 9 lines in the Gemara that was taken out by the censor. Today we have what we called, remember this, the Chesroinois Hashas. So now that we have access to the real old Gemaras, we have access to some manuscripts that were probably secondhand, all the way, almost all the way back to the beginning. So there were parts of the Talmud that were taken out through the years of exile by different government censors. Today we're living here in America, it's a freedom of speech, which is amazing. But for hundreds or thousands of years, humanity didn't have that. And parts of the Gemara that apparently spoke in a negative way about Yashka were taken out. There was such a Gemara in Sanhedrin Mem Gimel. And actually, in the Shas that I have, they didn't even put it back in there. That is where they speak about the killing of, of Oysa Ha'ish. But over here, there's also a story related to what caused Let's use the words of the Gemara. So here we'll speak it out in a moment. Let's call him here Yeshu Hanoitzri. Yeshu is an abbreviation for Yemach Shemoi Vezechrei. May his name be completely obliterated. Because he caused, as the Gemara says here, a tremendous amount of Jews to leave Yiddishkeit. Now, they took, the censor took out the words, Veloiki Yeshua ben Perachia. Yeshua ben Perachia was the teacher of Yeshu or of Yeshu Hanoitzri, as we'll explain in a moment. And he should dachafi le'echad mitalmidu b'shtei yadav. Many people have the girsa, should dachafi le'yeshu b'shtei yadav. Now what the censor did is, is they took out this line. So I heard a great word from Rabbi Yosef Grossman, that he says, even after the censor took it out, if you have a Gemara that doesn't have the words, Yeshua ben Perachia, so what the Gemara, what they left was, not like Elisha that pushed away Gehazi b'shtei yadav, and then they continued, Elisha Mai. And what's the story with Elisha? So he says, whenever the Gemara speaks about two incidences, not like A and not like B, then the Lashon HaGemara is, what is the story of A? And you go into the story. What is the story of B? You say the story. When they took out the words, Ki Yeshua ben Perachia, so then they shouldn't have left the words, Elisha Mai. Because if you don't have Yeshua ben Perachia, who does the Braisa say? Don't be like Elisha. You don't have to say now the words, Elisha Mai. You're speaking about Elisha. Just go on, Dixiv. So you see, they, they, they left traces from their ignorance, even though they thought they were learned, those censors. Many of them were Goyim, but they knew how to learn Gemara. And they took out, these were Christian or Catholic censors that didn't want, to, didn't want us to have 
anything that gives the appearance of something negative regarding Yesh. As it says, let's go to the story of Elisha. So what's the story of Elisha? There was a general from Aram called Naaman, and he was afflicted with leprosy, and there was no cure to it. Even today, it's a big challenge for people to get cured of leprosy. And he went to Elisha, and Elisha healed him. And he was very grateful, and he offered Elisha a lot of money, and Elisha refused to take payment. And he sent him away, and as he sent him away, Elisha's gabai, Elisha's shamans, Elisha's helper, went running after Naaman, and he told him, no, 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 our master changed his mind, he'll take payment. And he asked from him one talent of silver, and two garments, in other words, there were two talmidim that he was saying that need clothing. So why don't you give a suit for each one? So Naaman, so Naaman tells Gehazi, Hoyel, please, Rashi Taiches over here, or Hoyel means swear to me. Swear to me that Elisha changed his mind. He was like very insistent that he's doing this for free. And after he swore, after he swore, Kach, he caught him take these two talents. In other words, Naaman was so grateful that he didn't give him what he asked, one talent and two sets of clothing. He gave him two talents and two sets of clothing. And it says afterwards that Elisha tells Gehazi, wasn't my spirit with you? When Naaman turned towards you, didn't you know that I'm with you? And Ha'ez is now the time for you to take from him now, what did, Elisha, what did Gehazi take? We just said he took silver and clothing. But when Elisha was expressing his upsetness that you took, he actually told him you took eight things. And you took silver and begadim, that's two. And you took zaysim ukramim, that's four. You took tsainu bakr, that's six. You took avadim ashvachis, that's eight. Ending of the Pasik, so interrupts the Gemara, oh me, shakal, kula, hai, one second. He's being accused of taking eight items. Kesefu begadim the shakal. Gechazi, taka did a terrible thing. But don't, you don't have to overdo it. He took only two items. Amar Rabbi Yitzchak, says Rabbi Yitzchak, that what was the topic of study? Today in Mesech the Shabbos, what is the 14th chapter called? Shmoyne Shuratzim. There the Mishnah is speaking about the Dinim, regarding trapping animals, regarding wounding animals. That sudden chayvul by Shmoyne Shuratzim is Asen Midoyer So they were learning the subject of eight. So Amaloi, so Elisha is hinting to him by telling him in between the lines, you wicked one, being that you went against my will and you took payment from Naaman, so you won't be like the rest of us, that we get rewarded sometime later. As the Rambam says, Khar al what God gives us now are the tools that we need to do the mitzvahs. And we should all be blessed with all of the blessings, but that's not even called a reward for our mitzvahs. That's Hashem giving us the peace of mind and the parnasa and the health to be able to do our mission. Most, we are going to get rewarded later. He tells Naaman, you, he tells Gehazi, you are going to be punished. This is a Jewish punishment. What's your punishment? You're going to get rewarded now. That Higia Ace Little Schad, now you're going to get rewarded for your Torah study, for the fact that we are learning Shemayin Shratzim. So that sounds, okay, I'm not going to get rewarded later, but I'm going to get rewarded now. But, he added, but you also you will get punished now as well. But Vitzoras Naaman, but the leprosy that I took away from Naaman, titbak b'cha, it's going to stick on to you. 
and we know that those words came true. How do we know that Gehazi became a leper? Because shortly afterwards it says in Nach, in Malachim, the story of the Arba'a Anoshim Hoyim which happened to work its way into one of our Haftaitis, I think on the parsha of Metzayda, and we have a tradition, who are those four Metzayda'im, says Rabbi Yechman, it was Gehazi and his three children. That's just a proof, at least superficially, that the words of Elisha came true, that him, Ubezarecha, they, 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 got the, they got leprosy. Now, what happens later? Well, that's a good question. Why the children? Why did when Hashem kicked out Adam and Chava, why were the children kicked out also? So Vayelech, Elisha, Damesek. Now really, the Pasuk doesn't say Vayelech. There's no such a Pasuk. So the Meslevis Hashas amends to Vayavai. But the reason why we have in our Gemara the word Vayelech is because the Gemara is hinting to you that normally when a Tzaddik travels, the Lushen of Nach is Vayelech, Vayavai. He left and he arrived. There it only says that he arrived. Really, it should have said Vayelech. So what did he really go for? Now, when you read the story in Nach, you're going to read that, that Elisha came to Damascus. He came to Damascus because to notify, to predict that Ben-Hadad, who was then the king of Aram, will die, and he predicted who will take his place. Chazoel. But that was what the Torah writes. But there was another agenda there that's alluded to. Vayelech Elisha Damascus. Why did he originally go there? Not to, not to give the prophecy to Melech Aram. He went there to bring Gehazi back in Tshuva. However, he did not succeed. Gehazi did not do Tshuva. Elisha tells, tells his former helper, Return. And look at the Lushen. Return to yourself. Because who are we really? We are, we are godly. Be true to yourself. You want to discover yourself? Connect yourself to Yiddishkeit. Amaloi responds, Gehazi, Kach, Mikoblani, Mimcha. Didn't I receive from your tradition that Komishachata, if someone sinned and God forbid, Vehechti Yasarabim, and they caused others to sin, then Ain must speak in the Yodilasis Chuva. He's not given the opportunity to do Chuva. And as the Alter Rebbe says in Perikochfei and Taya, and many others, that they don't give him an opportunity. But if Dacha, Dacha Kasha, and he does Chuva, Ain Lachot Dover, Ho'emet Bifnea Chuva. Which is why Elisha went there. But Gehazi didn't take that opportunity. Where do we know that Gehazi made other people sin? So Ikadami, some people say, Evan Shoy Eves, that there was a, Evan Shoy Eves means a magnet. Tololoi lechatas Yeravam. Yeravam made a golden calf. And you know what we call the golden calf? The sin of Yeravam. Now, what he did was, you know, the, 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 the foolish shtick of all these magicians, you see, never changed. He, there was a golden calf that many people served as an idol. So Gehazi went and he attached magnets, very strong magnets, in that location to the point that that golden calf somehow appeared to be floating in the air. It was happening because of Nadasha magnets. But that gave the impression that there's some supernatural power in the golden calf. And many more people fell into that idol worship. The Hemidu, he made the calf float, hover between the heavens and the earth. Ah, you see how nothing changes? Other people say that shame, that one of God's holy names, Gehazi engraved a divine name in the mouth of the calf. And the calf, the divine name, why does God shout the whole time? Why does Hashem say the whole time? But that was coming out of the mouth of the calf. Now, the shame Hashem was referring to God. 
but it appeared as if the calf is saying, I am, God forbid, Anoichi. Other people say, what was the Hechti Asarabim? It wasn't something that he did after he was expelled. It was something that he did before he was expelled from Elisha. That Rabbanon Docha Mekame, he did not allow people who should have become students of Elisha to join Elisha's yeshiva. Because he was like the guy in charge. So many people came there and he somehow got rid of them. And they, if they would have joined, they would have been a better Jews. It says, that after Gehazi was kicked out, all of his Talmidim, all of the people that are worthy to be a Novi, told Elisha, you should know that the yeshiva campus, Tzad Mimen was very cramped. In other words, when did they start complaining that the yeshiva's cramped? After Gehazi was kicked out. Why did it become cramped then? Because when Gehazi was in charge, it wasn't cramped. He didn't allow people to enter. Now you have the same Gemara in Sanhedrin, Kuf, Zion. And there, there are other Lushainas, there are other Midrashim. That according, according, according to one, a Medrash says that Gehazi was a Pasha the molester. Right. Now, now we're going to go back to the place where... Now we have it in our Gemaras. Hopefully everyone watching has it. It's already back in the Gemara. It's interesting that in Sanhedrin, Mem Gimel, they did not put back the Chesreinah Sashas. Because there the words are something that perhaps should not go back in the Shas. At least the ones that are available to everyone. But over here, this is the story. Now, Bahagdama. The Toysvis Harash is the one that inserts the words instead of Le'echad B'Talmidov, Yeshu HaNoitzri. Yeshu Ben Parachia. And the Taihuar Bailey, as we know from Pirkeyavis, they were the second pair of the era of the Zugois. In other words, right before the era of the Tanoim, you had pairs who together were the teachers and the spiritual guides of the Jewish people. They lived, the Zugois, approximately 200 years before the Korban Habais. Yeshua ben Perachia, according to some, passed away 125 years before Korban Abayis. The Yeshu Hanoitzri that the Goyim have, according to their Cheshboinus, he was born in year zero. So for Yeshu Hanoitzri to be the student of Yeshua ben Perachia is problematic. The Ramban says clearly that there was only one Yeshu Hanoitzri, and the Goyim's count of when he was born is wrong. However, that's a machloikis rishonim. The rishonim spoke about it. And there are those who say that there were two yeshus, or there were many yeshus. Again, the word yeshu means yemach shemoy v'zechroi. You know, it's people that caused many Jews to leave the practice of mitzvahs. They're called yeshu. People who are chata v'hechti yasarabim. And maybe this yeshu, according to the Me'iri, for example, is not the yeshu hanoitzri. And the Sanhedrin Gemara that speaks about the death of Yeshu Hanoitzri, that was taka another one. But we're going to go with the approach of the Ramban that there was one Yeshu Hanoitzri. And he was a student of Yeshua ben Perachia. And he was a Jew? Oh, for sure. He was a Jew. Both of the Yeshus. Yeshu is only a word that we say on a Jew. Someone who shouldn't have and did. Why Hanoitzri? Huh? Why Hanoitzri? is from a city. It's called Nazareth. Now here we're speaking about someone called Yeshu. 
There was a Talmud. Yeah, yeah. No, no, yes, Dafka. No, that's what the Me'idi says. There's a Machlech, the Rishonim here speak about it. Look at the trace of the Sarash here. That's a good source. Right. So what happened, says the Gemarim, that Kedahavaka Kotl Yanai Malkal Rabbanon, Yanai Hamelech was a coin. And Rashi quotes the Gemara in Kedushin that we will learn soon, Dafsamach Vav. And Yanai Hamelech wanted to become the coin Gadol. Someone was Moitzelaz. Someone spread false rumors that the yichus of Yanei HaMelech is tainted. And when the rumors were discovered to be not true, and he discovered who started those rumors, his anger was directed against the sages of that time. And a terrible thing happened. He started to kill all of our Chachamim. Now Yanei HaMelech was married, and his wife's brother was the great Shimon ben Shatach. So we're going to see that there were very few Chachamim that escaped his wrath. Shimon ben Shatach didn't have to leave Israel because Atminiu Achse, because his sister, the wife of Yanni HaMelech, protected Shimon ben Shatach. However, Yeshua ben Parachio, who was the Nasi of the Sanhedrin, he didn't want to get killed by Yanni HaMelech. Also, he went in Arak and he fled to Alexandria Shal Mitzrayim. Now, after a while, Yanni HaMelech calmed down. I just explained, because he was angry at the Chacham. Kihav Shlomo, after he became more peaceful, you know, it's when it was safe for Rabbi Yeshua to return, but he wouldn't know that. So Shalach Shimon ben Shatach, Shimon ben Shatach sent a letter to Joshua ben Parachyon, and he tells him that Mini, from me, from me meaning from Yerushalayim Irakoidish, Lacha to you, who is to you, to the city of Alexandria Shalmatzrayim. And he gave honor to the city by calling Alexandria my sister city. And you, Alexandria, you have the merit that Baali, my master, my master meaning the Nasi, Rabbi Shob and Parachia is now dwelling in you, in Alexandria. And Va'ani, but I, here in Yerushalayim, I'm sitting desolate. A Talmud, a, a Chassid without a Rebbe is desolate. That was, that was the letter. In other words, he understood Omar, Yeshua and Panach, he said, Shmamino, Havali Shlama. He is already expressing to me how much he misses me. What is he really telling me? Come back. He wouldn't tell me to come back if it's dangerous. So he's telling me that it's peaceful. Yanni HaMelech is not going to kill me. And he returned. Now, Kiyosa, while he was returning, he passed through a certain inn. And the people in the inn, there was a woman that was running that inn. She had tremendous respect towards Rabbi Shoban Parachya and his entire group. She really gave respect towards Eden that are observant, Jews that are God-fearing, Jews that learn Torah, Jews that keep mitzvahs. She gave them, and her entire staff gave Rabbi Shoban Parachya a lot of beautiful honor. Yosef, so Rabbi Shoban Parachia, when he was sitting, he said, he said these words, look how nice, look how beautiful this hostess is. And he was obviously referring to, to her fine character, to the covered hatayra that she was given. So, or as we have here, Yeshua Hanoitzvi, when he heard his Rebbe saying, look how Noe is the hostess, he didn't understand that were a higher people and were speaking nice or beautiful spiritually. He understood that his teacher is saying, look how beautiful physically the hostess looks. So he tells his Rebbe, he corrected him. She's not that beautiful. Rebbe, either you can read it, her eyes are trutois, Rashi says they are round. 
or he says her eyes are round, you know, is she beautiful? He made some sort of comment which, which implied that he, to begin with, understood she, yeah, she's not beautiful. Amar Leisu, Rabbi Shua ben Panachia, tells Yeshu, Rasha, you wicked one, this is what you're, this is how, this is the world you're living in. And like Rashi says here on the top, that mistakel be'eshes ish, you're looking at a married woman. And, and, and the chutzpah notes, he thought that his Rebbe is making comments on her beauty. That's the world you're living in. Is apik arba meyashipuri, he took out 400 shayfres, mistama, this is not physical, and he put them into the big ches, vishamte, the original ways of putting a person into a band, into a chedim, is by blowing the shayfres. So now, he was expelled. He was returning. He wanted to do tshuva. And Rabbi Shobhan Perachi was not accepting. He was not receiving him back. Then, when Rabbi Shobhan Perachi was saying the Shema, then is when Yeshu came to him. And at that time, Rabbi Shobhan Perachi was going to accept him back. Eloma, he was saying the Shema. He made a Yiddish motion with his hand. In other words, I can't talk, but wait a moment. So he thought, yes, so Rabbi Shoban Perachia thought, you will hear when we learn Sanhedrin, that, that he's telling him to go. Ah, that was the breaking point. My teacher is never going to accept me back. Also, he went, he set up a brick. There was another gear said that he set up a brick on a brick. That's the cross. And Palcha. Pulchana means he worshipped it. Why did he worship it? Because he inserted in that symbol some sort of magical, black magical power. Now, many things happened. Eventually, Rabbi Shob ben Hanania, I'm sorry, Rabbi Shob ben Perachia came back to this Yeshu. Eventually, he caught up with him and he tells him, do tshuva, the same story, so Yeshu tells him, I learned from you, whoever sins, and causes others to sin, and there was no dachak v'asa. He didn't return. The Omar Mar, and what did he do? So before the Gemara spoke about what Gehazi did, what did Yeshu do? Kishef, he practiced black magic. Vehases and he incited other Jews. Vehidiach and he led them astray. Vehechliyas Yisrael. He was a master in certain dark arts. And because of these Nadasha things, he made the thing fly in the air. Because of, you know, before with the story with the, with the golden calf, he impressed people. And what did he use that impression for? Yeshu Hanoitzri, he led people away from keeping mitzvahs. And, 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 come and go back to the story. All of that was caused because he was pushed away with two hands. Taki, he made such a comment, so he made such a comment. So there should have been smoil doicha, but yimin mekadavis. And, and to a certain degree, going back to at least to Elisha, that pushing away Gehazi in such a way that that person had a harder time coming back and didn't, is also to a certain degree on the Rebbe. And Tanya Rabshim and Allah Oimer, concluding the sugya, that Yetzir. Rashi says Yetzir is the desire of, of, of cohabitation. And in other words, that Masbiyoi, Ra'av, 
In other words, on one hand, there's a concept that a person is going to constantly give into that desire, you'll never be satisfied. On the other hand, to completely push it away is also not what God wants. You have to have in this area the concept of there has to be some type of moderation and discipline. And on the other hand, and likewise, when it comes to educating a child, children need to have discipline, but how? The discipline should be with the left hand and the right hand the one that draws near should be a lot stronger. And likewise with the woman, as Rashi says, that since women are very sensitive, that's the meaning of Dat and Kalis, that if a person is going to be too harsh on one's wife, Rashi says that she's going to go out that in all of these three, and moving on to the Mishnah, says the Holy Mishnah, continuing with the procedure of and the Mishnah is introducing the following din, that if the murderer is found, then there is no need of doing this procedure. The whole procedure of Egla Rufa is because no one knows. There's no Yidiyah. And we're going to see that even a little Yidiyah is also called knowing, as we'll see in the Mishnah. Nims, now, yeah. now, what happens? They designated the calf. But but they found the murderer before they decapitated the calf. So Rashi brings down from Baba Basra that there, is, there are other Tanoim that don't speak about the decapitating. They speak about, did you lead the calf already to Nachalaisan? There are those who hold that once you took a Tanachalais and you don't stop. Our Tan is not of that opinion. The, the point, the critical point is, was it decapitated or not? So says the Mishnah, if it was not decapitated, even if you already took a Tanachalais on, so now that you found the murderer, nothing really started to happen, and therefore there's no holiness in this calf. Nothing needs to be done. It doesn't even have to be redeemed. You can just put it back and let it graze with all the other animals. However, once it was already decapitated, even though now you found the murderer, all of the dinim that, for example, you can't have any benefit from the decapitated calf. Those laws continue on this one. And therefore, you bury it in its place. By the way, burying it in its place is the big exception to the rule we learned yesterday. What did we learn yesterday? Forget about the past. You can't do anything with the ground. Here you're digging in the ground, but you did it to bury the egg law. Now, why? You found the murderer. So explains the Mishnah. You brought it because you didn't know who did it. And when you decapitated it, you still didn't know. So the moment of the decapitation, it was done properly. I Now you found out who did it. It doesn't retroactively ruin it. No, there's two different parshas. And don't forget that decapitating the calf doesn't bring atonement on the murderer. You found the murderer, judge the murderer. But until that moment, when you didn't even know at all who did it, there was a burden there was a certain guilt on the larger community, and the egla did, did, did its work. So then the Mishnah makes it clear, the murderer has to be killed. The murderer did not get his atonement because they fulfilled this procedure. Now, what's going to happen, says the Mishnah? If one witness, only one witness says, I know who is the murderer, and another witness says, no, you don't, it's one against one. We had exactly, exactly this Mishnah and the subsequent Sugyan Daflamadal of Ahmed Beis. 
Edom Hamakrishim Zedzeh, one against one. One says, How did you? You don't know. You were with me. You saw the murderer, you were with me. Or the one who got murdered then was with me. Didn't happen then. Or if there's a woman saying that I saw the murderer and another woman says, You did not see. So one against one, they cancel each other out. So there is no Yediyah. There's no Yediyah. What happens if Eidechad Emiri and two people say, You didn't see? Ah, one against two. The Mishnah is saying something that is a given. It, exactly word by word, the idea there of Stira and Tuma. Uh, you, uh, then you believe the two. And what, what are the two saying? You didn't see. There's no idea. So you do Arufa. And in the third case, if two witnesses say, we saw the murderer, and one of them say, you did not see them, so you believe the two. The two said that we saw the murderer. When you know who the murderer is, so then, loy Arfin. And we'll see in the Gemara more on this. Now, when there was a tremendous increase of murderers in the Holy Land, murderer became prevalent. But the sages then stopped the procedure of Egla Rufa. As we'll see in the Gemara, we should get there, which is that when someone is murdered in a city with their gangs, even if we don't know which gang did it, which mafioso person did it, there is a knowledge. You don't know who did it, which group did it, but unfortunately, ah, it's a known thing. Yeah, these people murder. That's already called knowledge. If there's partial knowledge, there's no Eglarufa. And the example would be that there was a terrible murderer called Eliezer ben Dinai. He gave himself a different name. He called himself Tchina ben Perisha. We called him Tchina ben Perisha Hoyonikra. We ended up calling him Ben Haratzchan, the murderer's son. And when he moved into town, there was so much murder that when someone was murdered, they said, ah, he did it. Or someone like him did it. A serial killer. Mishra Bahamanafim continues the Mishnah when people started to be very promiscuous. Posko Hamayim Hamarim, they stopped allowing us to use the waters, the name of God is being erased. The waters wouldn't work when really she committed adultery. But really it wasn't working because the husband is not behaving properly. So Sayyir being Maitzilaz on the Maim and Sayyir erasing Hashem's name in vain, stop doing it. And who was the one that stopped it? Rabbi Yechinen ben Zakei of Sikon. Shinemar as it says, quoting from a pasuk in Hosea, that loy efkoi, it will come a time that the waters will not be used to examine you. Why? Al kisses nano. Because your daughters are committing adultery. Al kalisechem kisinofeno. Because your daughter-in-laws are misbehaving. And kihem, and the Pasuk continues, we'll have this in Ahmed Beis, kihem im hazayna, is because you the husbands, you yourselves are misbehaving. And more of that in the Gemara. They were the first pair of the Zugais. When they passed away, the word eshkoil literally means a cluster of grapes. And these, this is an expression used on the, on the Talmide Chachamim, of old, that there were people that called boy, they knew everything. And there was up until the era of Yoisi ben Yaezer, Ish Tzereda, and Yoisi, we have the version, ben Yoichanan, Ish Yerushalayim, there weren't any arguments in halacha. The first argument in halacha happened towards the end of the life of the first group of Zugais, as Rashi brings down regarding Smicha, Ayn Berashi, and Gemara Chagiga. 
So when they passed away, from then on, a lot of arguments started to happen. Why, were there, why was there a machlekes? Because he didn't have these clusters that knew everything. Shunemadaz, it says, Ein there's, no long, there's no longer clusters to eat. And Bikura, if sanafshi, that my soul is thirsting for a ripe fig, another expression for a Talmud Chachem. But we don't have them anymore. Says the Gemara, Yechen and Kain Gadol, Hever Hoidoas Hamaiser. We learned before in the Mesechte what, what needs to be said, Belosh and Hakaidish, that during the seventh cycle year, there are, three, there are two mini cycles. One, two, three, one, two, three. Maiser Ishen, Maiser Sheni, first year. Second year, Maiser Ishen, Maiser Sheni. Third year, Maiser Ishen, Maiser Ani. So before Pesach on the fourth year, same thing. Fifth, fourth and fifth year, my sedition, my sesheni. Sixth year, my sedition, my surani. Before Pesach of the seventh year, we needed to make a declaration that we gave all of the tithings to their rightful owners. But you can only make those declarations when people are doing it. When people stop giving it, so we, we stopped that declaration. And Afu, Yechen and Kengadol, also stopped the Mo'edadim. He stopped the wakers, the Eshanoikvim, and the strikers. We'll see in the Gemara what that means. Turning to Daf Ahmed Beis, Daf Mem Zayin Ahmed Beis, we're getting somewhere. And Ad Yomav, until the days of Yechanan, of Yechanan Kain Gadol, Hoyapatish Makabi Yerushalayim. Let's quickly go back to the beginning of Moed Katan, that Cholamoid is really a Yantif. However, there are, there are exceptions in which we could work on Cholamoid. One of them will be when there is something called a Davar Ha'avud, when there's a work. That if I won't do it now, I'm going to lose the opportunity or something will get ruined. Something is going to get ruined, you can work on Cholomayit. Now, Yechanan, Kohen Gadol, didn't like the fact that in Yerushalayim, you heard the banging of the tools of the smiths, the ironsmiths, right? the silversmiths, their instruments make a lot of noise. Now, they were only doing work that's Davar Ha'avod. But people didn't know that. People were hearing, there's work, there's the hustle and bustle. And people then started to work, like many people today without knowledge, think, Cholomayit is time a work day. So Yechenim and Kohen Gadol said, no more banging in Yerushalayim, even by Yadavar Ha'avud. And, Ubiyamav, ain't Sarech Lishul HaSadmai. Before the days of Yechenim and Kohen Gadol, the minority, there was a small percent, well, at least a, a substantial minority, but a minority of non-learned people that didn't give all of the tithings. And until the days of Yechen and Kain Gadol, Alpidin Taira, you can be, you can rely on the majority. I can buy produce from Amaretz and not tithe it. However, certain people were machmer, but it was optional. And therefore, let's say you're a chaver and I brought produce from you, but you brought it from Amaretz. I would have to ask you: Were you machmer or were you not machmer? But after the days of Yechen and Kain Gadol, when he instituted that everyone always has to take some of those tithings that the minority Amaratsim didn't take yet. So if everyone is doing it, you, if I buy produce from a chaver, I don't have to ask you what you did because it wasn't any more option for anyone. Says the Gemara Tana Rabban in the nine, from where do we know Shem Negla? Shem Ned for Egla, that if you already decapitated the, the calf, and then you find the murderer, that the murderer is not scot-free, that if there were Edim and Hasra'a, obviously, then you still kill him. In other words, the ceremony did not bring any atonement for the murderer, because it says in Bamidbar, that the land will never find atonement for blood that was spilled in it, only if you kill the murderer or you take the murderer to a din taira. 
So that is independent of the rules of Egla Rufa. And now, the only reason why in the first case of the three cases, one against one, that you make Arifa, because the one that said, I saw the murderer, was contradicted. Implying, but if he was not contradicted with one, if only one witness said, I saw the murderer, then, Mehem, and we believe the witness, and you don't do the procedure of Eglarufa, that one eight is believed. Says the Gemara of the Tanarabana, and we're quoting here a Braise, that's quoting a Pasik in Pasha Shreftim, it says, means it's not known. Again, the concept of Yidiyah. Implying, says the Braisa, if you know who killed him, even if the witness is not here. There's someone out there. Rabbi Kiva says, Look at this. If members of the Sanhedrin saw murder being committed, but they were far away and they don't recognize who did it. That's also called knowledge. It's knowledge doesn't have to be two witnesses. Knowledge doesn't ha- even have to be that one witness knows who did it. One witness saw that it happened. I, it was in the dark and you only saw an outline of a person. You don't know whom. There's knowledge. Now, obviously, the murderer has to be taken to court. But there's no need to do the Eglarufa. And they saw. That minimum amount of seeing or knowing is enough. Now, asks the Gemara. And as Rashi says, look inside on the right side. Right? Normally, we're twice versus, right? Rabbi Shalman, Sugizu, Pirashtia. I already explained this entire Gemara on, on, on the end of Daflamadal from the base. And on top of Daflamadal from the and Rashi adds the words, There is word by word the same Gemara. It's the same Dinim. There was also Stira, two witnesses at Stira. We learned that if there is Yedi of Tuma, even the Eidecha, then no longer the water is, is done. Now, you don't kill her because there's only one aid. Here also, one aid, you're not going to kill the murderer, but there's no Din. And now we're going to go through quickly, if you want to learn more about Ichus, go back to the Flamadal of Ahmed Beis. It's a beautiful piece of Gemara, but let's go through it. So asks the Gemara... Well, it's more than that. We're going to go back and forth in the Mishnah. Let's read this whole thing. Now that we established that one witnesses believed, why would we now believe? One witness, there were three cases. One said, I saw the murderer. One says, you didn't see the murderer. Said a Mishnah, you do the Eglarufa. Asks the Gemara, great question. Ula told us that whenever the Torah gives credence, Believes one witness, the one is just as much proof as two. Now that you have one witness saying, I saw the murderer, it's like two witnesses saying, I saw the murderer. Now you have a person that's being makrishit, but that person is only one. So why would we believe the one against one? We should believe the two, the halachic two. And you should not do the, the, the arufa. So for this Ula, the question was so strong that it forced Ula to amend the Mishnah. To me, if one person saw the Egla Rufa for the murderer, and no one contradicted it, he would not kill the cat. That's correct. To me, you have to amend the Mishnah. Ah, comes along Rabchiyam. Don't amend the Mishnah. To me, Orphan. No, read the Mishnah as it is. I, Rabchia, what do you do with Ula? 
So, so Rabchia says, I agree with Ula. But there's two cases. Khan, our Mishnah is Babasachas. Machlikas Rashi Toysvis Rashi says Babasachas is Toykedei Dibur. In other words, if one witness says, I saw the murderer, Toykedei Dibur, before the time of saying Shalom Alecha Rebbe, or Shalom Alecha Rebbe Almighty, another witness has said, How did you see you were with me? So we never accepted the words of the first. You don't have Shnayim. That's where the Mishnah says that they cancel each other out. Kan Ula is Bezacharzeh. Now, says the Gemara Tanan, the Gemara is going to ask a question against Rabchia. Don't forget, our Mishnah gave three cases. Bekitzer, the, the latter two cases are obvious. So the question is all predicated on, since the Mishnah said the obvious, the Mishnah didn't mean to teach you the din that's obvious. It meant to teach you that which is inferred from those two cases and the inference of the middle case that we're calling the Reisha. The last case is the Sefer. The middle case is, is, is called the Reisha. The, what's inferred from the Reisha appears to contradict Rabchia. It says in our Mishnah, the second case, if one witness says, I saw the murderer, and two people say, you did not see, two against one, says the Mishnah, you believe the two. And therefore, you didn't see, you made Hayyarifan. Now, Pshita, it must be, of course, two against one, you believe the two. The Mishnah is really trying to tell you, Chad v'chad, one and one, loy Hayyarifan. That's a contradiction against Rabchia. Responds Rabchia one second. You're, you are learning a diuk from the Mishnah. If that's the case, the Sefer contradicts the Reisha. Look at the final case of the Mishnah. There it says two people, two witnesses says we saw the murderer. Only one witness says we didn't see the murderer. So again, the Mishnah says you believe the two. What are the two saying? We don't know who the murderer is. I'm sorry, the two said we saw the murderer. You believe them? Loi arfin. Pshita. Ah, so say, the, the Mishnah is only telling you this then to infer that chad v'chad, like me, Rabchia, question against you, a contradiction in itself. So therefore you have to answer, don't be medayik from the Reish and the Seifa. The Reish and the Seifa are not talking about a case where it's one kosher witness against two kosher witnesses one way or the other. The whole safe of the Mishnah is to tell you the Chiddush. And it's authored by Rabbi Nechem Yom. Let's read it inside. And Rabbi Nechem taught us a very important rule that wherever the Torah gave Nehemanus to one witness, first of all, what we knew before Rabbi Nechem if one witness is believed, that one witness's standards are not the normal standards of a witness. A woman can be believed, an Evid can be believed, that we know already. But Rab Nechemia added something. What did he add? That normally there's a din called Trey Kimeo, meaning that if you have a group of two witnesses saying one thing, and you have a hundred people saying the opposite, we don't say go after the majority, we say every group of witnesses is the maximum proof that we have. And Trey against a hundred is two against two. Says Rab Nechemia, that's only if everyone is a kosher witness. That, that wherever you will believe a witness that's not kosher, there we do go after the majority. And now there are two versions in what Rab Nechemia holds. The first version of Rab Nechemia is, is that two women are more powerful than one kosher witness. And now let's read it inside. There's another version We don't say that. We don't say that. So that's the whole Kiddush of the Mishnah, that we go after the majority. The only question will be, why did the Mishnah have to give the Reisha and the Seifa? We'll get to that in the Gemara. This is what we learned before. Let's move. Other people say that Rabbi Nechemya didn't go that far. Rabbi Nechemya didn't say that two women 
should be believed more than one man if the one witness is a kosher witness. So we'll see again a contradiction in the Gemara here. We'll leave that for a moment. The Mishnah is speaking about the two and the one of the Reish and the Seifa is not two men or two women. It's either two women and one man, or it has to be two women against one woman. The second version in Abnechemia, if the one witness is kosher, then then 100 women are only like one, which means they're bachlal not believed. In a few lines, we're going to learn different. So therefore, according to the second version of the Mishnah, is that the one woman came. And Here the Gemara says different what I just said a few lines ago. According to the second version, if there are two women against one man, before we say the two women are bachlal not believed, here we are saying that kipalgo palga, and as we spoke out on Daflamid Beis, that Iram Nechemia also agrees to the difference between basachas and bezeacharzeh. When it's bebasachas, so then when you have one man and two women, since it was bebasachas, the, test- the testimony of the one man was never accepted, so then they equal each other. When we say that one man came and he was already accepted, then if two women come, they're nothing. They're like one against two. But in either event, that's not the case of the Mishnah, according to the second version. The Mishnah is telling you the Chiddush, the concept of don't infer anything from the Mishnah. So there's only one question, which is, why did the Mishnah have to repeat it both on the Reisha and on the Seifa? The Mishnah should have just stayed with the Reisha. For example, if two people said that uh, the case of the Reisha is two people said that one person said, I saw. Let's say one woman saw that I saw the murderer. Two women came and said, you did not see. Here you go after the majority, and that's a Chiddush. The majority said, you did not see. So we already taught it in. So so says the Gemara, the Mishnah gave two cases because it's only weird the conclusion will be that it's Luchumra, that you have to decapitate. That is where you go after Reif Deus. But you would have thought that maybe if the majority women are saying Lakula, do not decapitate, then we don't go after Reif Deus. So therefore the Mishnah gave in the final case in the Seifa. What was the case of the Seifa? That two people said we saw. In other words, don't decapitate. Lakula. And one witness, whether it is according to the first version of Rav Nechemia, even one man, or according to the second version of Rav Nechemia, one woman said we do not see. We say, which is a chiddish. We believe the two, lekula, and we do not decapitate. In Mirz Hashem, you know, let's hop another line at least. When many murderers came into Eretz Yisrael, when unfortunately, when murder became prevalent, became common, but they stopped the laws of Eglarufa. Why? It only comes for a complete uncertainty. When murder became something that constantly happened. So then, you don't have a complete uncertainty. You don't even know who did it, as the Rishayim as say. But you know, there are a few groups of people that commit murder. So the only question is, which gang did it? Which murderer did it? 
So there's already, before you begin the investigation, we don't say treat everyone equally. We don't think that way. In a society where, we know, where there are known murderers, when a murder happens, who do you start investigating first? Those groups. So there's already a certainty. So even though you didn't yet find out who did it, you do not bring the Egg Varufa, Emir Hashem, to be continued.